Hi, my name is Caitlin and welcome to the Gospel House. Our mission here at the Gospel House is to show the world that the gospel of Jesus Christ is enough, that in the gospel we can find all of our deepest needs met as the entire church responds to and applies implications of the gospel. We would love to show it with you. Check out our website, www.thegospel.house, where you can learn more about us, find out how to connect with us, ask questions, see when and where our next meeting is, and give to help advance this gospel message of Jesus Christ. Happy New Year. Almost, right? We're getting there. One more day. So, uh, I kind of feel like I'm running for political office today. More in 24, right? We're supposed to, like, rally or something. Surprise! I'm going to put my hat in the presidential election. Why, why not, right? Anybody's got a chance. But that's not what we're talking about today. No politics, I promise you. But this is what everybody does, right? New Year's Eve, we're looking into the new year. We're getting ready. And so we come up with these slogans, right? What's your word for 2024? What's your Bible verse for 2024? What's your, right? What's your slogan? And then we put it on a wall and we paint it on things. And this is our family's word for 2024. And then once it goes up on the wall, we forget it exists and go on with life as usual. New year, new you. <laughs> We're all liars, aren't we? Yes, those New Year's resolutions quickly flush down the toilet, and we're right back to where we used to be. I have been pleased lately, though. See, New Year's always used to be goal-setting, right? Before the New Year started, you set your goals for 2024, and these are the things that I want to accomplish and everything. But I've noticed a trend lately, and it has pleased me. Yes, surprise, surprise. I am pleased by something that's going on in the world. But... I've noticed this trend. I have noticed that there are not as many people pushing goals anymore. Now, I'm sure that there still are people pushing goals. Maybe you are some of them. Maybe you know people who are setting their goals for 2024. But one trend that I like a lot more than goal setting is I like people who are setting processes and not goals. Why? Because processes are attainable. Processes, if you fail, can be picked back up, right? Goals are tricky because when I set a goal, I either hit the goal or I don't, right? Now, anybody who's intelligent will tell you that when you set a goal, if you start heading towards that goal and realize that it's not going to happen, that you need to step back and change that goal, right? But when you set a process, it's not so much goal-oriented as... I'm doing things that are part of a process that I should be doing anyway. And whatever happens at the end of that process, I'm good with because it's a good process, right? There's a lot of spiritual connections. It happens in the Bible. It happens naturally that, that happen with the body, right? There's tons of spiritual analogies that the Bible gives us in the body. But you, you can see the same thing with parallels when you set process. Look, it's a new year. Everybody wants to lose weight, right? Even if you don't need to lose weight, you want to lose weight because of the new year and everybody's just supposed to lose weight. But when you look at that, you can set goals to lose weight, right? You can say, I want to weigh 100 pounds by the end of this year. And you can set that goal. But what's so much better is if you set a process. So instead of saying, I'm going to lose weight, just say, I'm going to work out three times a week, every week. 
And if I lose weight, I lose weight. If I don't lose weight, I don't lose weight. But guess what? I'm going to be working out, and therefore I will be healthier. I'm going to eat right. I'm going to limit the number of times I allow myself to have ice cream in a week. And guess what? You're going to be healthier. Are you going to weigh 100 pounds by the end of it? I don't know. But does it matter? Sometimes I think we focus on the wrong things. And I think the same can be said spiritually. We focus on where we want to be with Jesus. Well, Gospel House, we want 500 people saved in 2024. That's not our job. That's not up to us. But Gospel House, we want to put processes in place in our lives spiritually that will put us in the place that we can disciple others, that we can reach out to the lost, that we can grow more like Christ ourselves. And what God decides to do with the end results, that's up to him. But we're going to be about the process. Does that make sense? That's what I want to look at in 2024. Now, we've been talking about this a lot. You guys remember back in October, we did this thing here at the Gospel House where we pass out these puzzle packets, puzzle pieces packets, alliteration at its finest. But we, we everybody filled out kind of what they felt God was calling them to do here at the Gospel House. Like, you know, just what are things God's put on your heart, different questions, what are areas that he's put you in where you can have an influence on people. And we all answered those questions, and I compiled those, and you all forgot completely about them, right? <laughs> I have been looking at them. I know that you all thought that I had just thrown them all away. That was just an exercise in futility. But there's a consistent theme that's coming out in those puzzle packets. And we're going to see, you started to see it, Christmas, our Christmas sermon series started us shifting in this direction, and now we're really going to go after it. Because this is our last Sunday of 2023. And then tomorrow, we're going all for it. We're going all in after what God has called us to do. And so what has God called us to do as a church in 2024? And that's what we're going to be talking about today. And if you haven't picked up on it, the main theme is how do we grow God's kingdom? And that's what we're going to be all about in 2024. Honestly, y'all, this should be what we're all about all the time, right? But specifically in 2024, this is the one big shift in every single puzzle packet, every single packet that I got back. Some of you were naughty, and I didn't get yours back, so don't you be angry with me if I didn't get your input into this. But all of the ones I received all have this common thread of growing the kingdom of God. Very specifically, we'll get to the specifics later, but that's what we're going to be looking at. So, how do we do this? How do we grow the kingdom of God? And as we talk about all this year, all of 2023, not how do we grow the gospel house, right? Not how do we grow this church. Y'all, there are books and podcasts and resources out there for anybody to look at that'll tell you how to grow a church in numbers all over the place, everywhere. We aren't interested in growing in numbers only. We're interested in growing God's kingdom. And there's only one resource that we have to teach us how to grow God's kingdom. That is this word, this book, and that is the Holy Spirit. That's it, right? I, I, I am getting so fed up. I think you guys are getting 
the gist of this, have gotten the gist of this. I'm so fed up with the discipleship curriculum, right? We oh, this this new discipleship curriculum. We got this new book and we got this new y'all. There's nothing new under the sun. The discipleship curriculum, the only discipleship curriculum we need, is right here in this word. An insight from the Holy Spirit on how to implement that, right? That's all we need. And so that's what we want to be about. Growing God's kingdom, God's way. Not man's way, not Jeremy's way, not the gospel house's way. What does a disciple of the gospel house look like? Wrong. It's the wrong question. What does a disciple of Christ look like? And the Bible tells us. So that's what we're going to be about. So to get there, we are going to consult the word of God. We are going to look at possibly the best chapter of the Bible, the best verse of the Bible on discipling. And it comes from the book of 2 Timothy. So if you have your Bible with you, you can be opening to 2 Timothy. We're going to be in chapter 2. I'll give you all time while I take a drink of my coffee. And you all fumble through the pages of your Bible. Time is up. 2 Timothy 2, verses 1 through 7 say, You therefore, my son, this is Paul talking to Timothy, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful people who will be able to teach others also. Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who enlisted him. And if someone likewise competes as an athlete, he is not crowned as a victor unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer ought to be the first to receive his share of the crops. Consider what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Three things that we can draw from this. Three processes, processes, that I would like to for us to make resolutions to start walking deeper into in 2024. This is our more in 2024. This is how we grow God's kingdom. And we do it by spending more time, by growing more like, and by more growth. So first, more time. How do we give God more time? Some of you all are pooping your pants right now because you cannot imagine possibly giving any more time, right? Time is our most valuable asset, isn't it? So what are you spending your time doing? Are you spending it building God's kingdom? Or are you spending it building your kingdom? Or someone else's kingdom? So how do we spend our time with God? And the biblical answer to this is, we wait. Nobody likes to hear that, right? We wait. 
We wait on the Lord. You guys have heard this before. I stole it from my father-in-law. But the resurrected Jesus, when he came back from the dead, he gave us two commands, right? Disciple and wait on the Lord. Y'all, if those are the two things the resurrected Jesus taught, what are we doing? Right? Wait on the Lord and disciple. So I would venture to suggest to all of you that all of the Christian walk can be summarized in those two things. We are either waiting on the Lord or we are discipling. Or we're doing both, waiting on the Lord while we disciple, right? And that really is what waiting on the Lord is. We've talked about this before, but, but that's something I think we miss as Christians, right? When Jesus Christ rose to heaven, he released the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, right? And we now have access to the Holy Spirit, God himself, all of the time, all of the time. So while we wait on the Lord, we're actually discipling with the Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit's discipling us. He's teaching us. He's showing us. So waiting on the Lord is nothing like waiting in the world. I get so nervous when I preach on this, when I preach on the importance of waiting on the Lord. Not because it's not biblical, not because I think anybody will have a problem with it, but because I have seen countless number of Christians abuse waiting on the Lord. Because worldly waiting means I grab a bag of potato chips, the family size, and I go and sit in my recliner, and I turn on my favorite television show, and I eat that entire bag of family-sized potato chips and watch my favorite television show, and I'm waiting, right? Waiting for my appointment, waiting for Jana to get home, waiting for, you know, whatever it is. That's worldly waiting. Waiting on the Lord is not worldly waiting. Waiting on the Lord takes effort, right? It takes time. It takes deliberate action. This is where we get into this mess of, do, are we giving God quantity time or are we giving him quality time? Can I be really transparent with you all? I give God a lot of quantity time, a lot of quantity time. I pray all the time. And if I wanted to be highfalutin, I could stand up here with my nose in the air and say, I pray all the time, all of the time. While I'm driving, I'm praying. While I'm sitting in this church, I'm praying. While I'm doing my work, I'm praying. While I'm washing the dishes, I'm praying. I pray all the time. But guys, it's not quality. That's, that's my biggest trap. And you know the number one reason why my prayer isn't quality prayer? This tiny little device right here. Hmm. Right? Because when I do my Bible in a year plan, as soon as I get done, guess what I do? I put it down and I say my prayers. Nope. I open ESPN and I check to see the latest box scores. I open ESPN and I scroll just to see what the Browns record is one more time. Oh, still clinched the playoffs. Imagine that. Sorry, that was just, had to plug that there. But I do. And then after I'm done with that, well, let's check and see if I have any emails. Oh, well, these are church emails. These are very important to Jesus. Right? Can I give you all permission? I, I, I'm going to give it to you anyway, so <laughs> I don't care if you like it or not. Bust me on this, y'all. Hold me accountable. 
when you see me on Sundays, when you see me throughout the week, when you see me, check in with me on this. Jeremy, how is your quality time with the Lord? Please keep me accountable. Because honestly, y'all, in 2023, I spent a ton of quantity time with the Lord and no quality time. Maybe not no, but very little quality time. All of my prayers to God were complaining about something that wasn't going my way. All of my prayers to God were asking for him to do something for me. I spent very little time listening for what he wanted to tell me. Sure, when it's time to write a sermon, I'll listen, right? God, what do I preach on this week? Come on, God, I need some answers. It gets to be Friday and Sunday's coming up. Okay, God, you're really waiting till the last minute here, Jesus. What are we talking about? Right? But just me and Jesus. How much time do you spend? Now, look, some of you are really good at this, right? This, this is what always happens in these sermons. The people who are really good at this think, oh, goodness, I got to do better. I got to get better. And then the people who are terrible at it are like, nope, not for me right? Some people are really good at this. Some people don't struggle with this at all. But when is the last time that you have just sat in God's presence and that's been enough? You don't go to him looking for answers. You don't go to him asking for things. You don't go to him to complain. Now, I'm not saying any of those things are wrong. God wants to hear your complaints, y'all. God wants to hear the things that you, that you want, that you need. God wants to hear you. You're, you're his children. He wants that. But when's the last time that you have just come and sat with him? You know what touches me more than anything as a father, as a parent? When one of my kids just comes and sit with me. Promise did that the other day. I was at the kitchen table working on my sermon from home, and she just came and sat with me. It's like, do you want a snack? No, I just wanted to see what you were doing. That blesses me as her father. She wanted nothing more than just to be next to me. Nothing more than just to be close to me. Guys, that's what God wants. He just wants to be with his children. But I am so busy checking ESPN. Hey, right? What's more important than Jesus on that thing? Nothing. So we're doing a Bible in a year plan. It's going to be on the YouVersion Bible app. Please join us. It's wonderful but I'm going to be doing mine in my paper copy Bible. So if you go through, please don't judge me. Oh, look, Jeremy hasn't read his Bible today. <laughs> I have. It's just going to be this Bible because I don't need that distracting me. I need to get it as far away from me as possible so that when I'm done with my Bible, there's no temptation to check scores. There's no temptation to check emails, to stay plugged in. I want to stay plugged into something bigger and better than my phone, right? And guys, this is so necessary. We've got to stop viewing this waiting on the Lord, this quality time with God as something that's like extra fluff, right? This is so necessary. Look at in the book of Acts, we're told this. This is right after Jesus ascends into heaven. It says This is the disciples afterwards. It says, when they had entered the city, they went up to the upstairs room where they were staying. That is Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon, the zealot, and Judas, the son of James. All these were continually devoting themselves with one mind to prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Jesus gives the disciples the command right before he ascends into heaven to wait 
until they are clothed with power from on high, from the Holy Spirit. We have to, to, guys, this modern church idea, this modern church concept that we can go out and conquer the world in Christ because we've read some best-selling Christian author books and all that stuff, it's hogwash. It's absolute baloney. Unless you are clothed with power from the Holy Spirit, you cannot do anything that God has called you to do. And it makes sense, right? Because if you haven't, who's leading you? If the Holy Spirit's not leading you, who's leading you? Well, my intellect, Pastor. <laughs> oh, I followed my intellect, and guess where it's gotten me? Nowhere fast. But if we allow the Holy Spirit to lead us, you know, sometimes I think as, as Christians we skip this, right? Acts 2 happened, and so we think, oh, Acts 2 happened. We don't have to wait on the Lord anymore. And it couldn't be further from the truth. Because just as badly as the disciples back then needed the day of Pentecost for the Holy Spirit, like who cares what day it was, right? It doesn't matter. The fact that God chose to fall on the day of Pentecost, that's secondary. There's no power in that specific day, right? The power is that the Holy Spirit fell, which means we need the Holy Spirit to fall on us every day, right? We talked about that passage, you know, be filled by the Spirit. Paul says to continually be filled by the Spirit. And that filling, that, that verb that he uses to be filled, means to be continually filled. Like somebody turns on a faucet and you just sit under it. That's what that means. We've got to stop thinking that Christianity is some self-help thing. That if you get to a certain point, like you graduate, and it's like, okay, Jesus, I can do this on my own, right? You can't. You need the Holy Spirit. We have to have this kind of prayer life that waits on the Lord before we go and do anything else. And not distracted waiting, right? But giving God quality time. Because, as we read in our passage today, Paul tells Timothy, consider what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. What's it say in Proverbs? Right? The graduation verse. Every graduation card that ever goes out. Trust in the Lord with all of you. And lean not on your own understanding. And we love it for graduations, but we don't do it ever. Trust in the Lord and stop leaning on your understanding. Start leaning on His. And if we have the Holy Spirit leading us, He will give us understanding in everything that we do. Right? Everything that we do. No matter what it is. We feel unqualified. We don't feel equipped. We don't feel like, like God, I don't even know how to do this stuff. Right? But He will give us understanding to do what he's called us to do. The Holy Spirit wants to disciple you. Wrap your mind around that, y'all. This is God himself saying, hey, I would like to live inside of you. I would like to take up residence. I would like to make every decision for you. I would like to lead you in all things. I would like to guide you through every moment of every part of your day. 
Can you imagine that? You should, because that's what he wants. It's like the Garden of Eden. God's restoring, piece by piece, what was lost. Adam and Eve used to walk daily with God in the garden, right? Imagine what that was like. He wants to do the same with you, though. When you go to work, you don't go to work by yourself. He doesn't, you know, he's not a stay-at-home mom or wife. He's, okay, honey, see ya when you get back. I'll take care of the kids for you. It's not what it is. He wants to go with you. He wants to walk with you in the garden, to talk with you throughout your day, to lead you in every moment. But are we giving him that kind of access to our lives? You know, when we talk about like, oh gosh, pastor, I'm way too busy to be doing these things. I'm way too busy to be discipling. I'm way too busy to be... You're not. I promise you you're not. The reason you think you are is because you don't understand what it means to disciple. Because if you're discipling properly, everywhere you go, you're discipling. Everywhere you go, you are rubbing shoulders and elbows with somebody who needs Jesus that day, that moment. But you will never see it unless you let the Holy Spirit lead you. We are so worried about discipling curriculum and discipling handbooks and discipling this and that and all the things, right? What discipling classes are we offering, Pastor? How are you discipling people? I'm I'm not. The Holy Spirit is. Right? And he's available all the time. All you got to do is say, Jesus, what do you want me to do? Jesus, what do you want me to say to this guy? Got this person sobbing on my shoulder here. God, what do I say? Right? Oh, hold on a second. Let me read this book on how to console a coworker. Got it. God's got you right in the palm of his hand. Ask him, and he will give you understanding. We have got to give God all of our time. But let's start in 2024 by giving him more of our time. Find ways to incorporate Jesus, to incorporate the leading of the Holy Spirit into your everyday life, into everything that you do, asking the Holy Spirit to lead you in little conversations that seem meaningless to you. You never know what God's plan is. And y'all, following Jesus, we talked about this a little bit a couple weeks ago, but you know, when you look through the book of Acts, it's, it's, it's an adventure, right? Those guys never know what they're going to do when they wake up in the morning. You know, you might get teleported to another city all of a sudden, out of nowhere. Holy moly, there's an Ethiopian eunuch over there. Go talk to him, right? You never know what you're going to do. And we look at that and we're like, oh gosh, God, I sure wish that you would do that today. And God's probably sitting up there saying, you knuckleheads, I want to, but you won't give me any of your time. You're not listening. You won't let me. Let's open our calendars to God. Let's let him use our daily activities and let him lead us. Isn't that kind of exciting? You have no idea what conversations he's going to lead you into. And you never will unless you're open to it. Next, 2024. Let's become more like Jesus. Look at how Paul opens this chapter on how to disciple 
to his spiritual son, Timothy. He says, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Paul tells Timothy to be strong in the grace that is, that is in Christ Jesus, but how can we be strong in a grace if we don't know what Jesus looks like? If we don't know what that grace looks like? There is this promise in Scripture, and I feel like it sails over our heads 90% of the time. Because it's an incredible promise. Absolutely incredible. It comes from the book of 1 John, and it says this, See how great a love the Father has given us, that we would be called children of God. And in fact, we are. For this reason, the world does not know us, because it did not know him. Now look at this. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when he appears, we will be like him, because we will see him just as he is. And everyone who has this hope set on him purifies himself just as he is pure. When Jesus appears and we see him, we will become exactly like him. No more sin, no more mess, no more screwed up, but perfect as he is perfect. Because for the first time, we will see him perfectly. But look at what 1 Corinthians 13 says. I know this is the marriage chapter. It's only read at weddings, and it's not pertainable to anything else in the spiritual walk. Just weddings. Just kidding. It wasn't even written for weddings. But 1 Corinthians 13 ends like this. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully, just as I also have been fully known. We cannot see Jesus perfectly right now, correct? We acknowledge this. Because of sin in this world, because of the way things are right now, we can't see him perfectly yet. But that doesn't mean we can't see him, right? We still can see him. And as we see him, even if it's dimly as if in a mirror, we become like him. You see the process of this progressive sanctification? That's a big, fancy theological term. As we walk with Jesus, as we learn more about Jesus, as we behold Jesus, we become more like him. That's God's promise, not ours. Not mine. I'm not, that's not my promise. That's his. As you see Jesus, you become more like him. Now, some of you know this. In college, I learned this. Guess what happens when your mirror gets dirty? You can't see, right? Shannon will tell you, don't ask her because it'll make you think less of me. I had some dirty mirrors in college. If you don't keep your mirror clean, you can't see Jesus. Right? So how do you keep your mirror clean? You don't let dirt on it. 
You don't let it get dirty. You keep it clean. You continue to wash yourself in His Word. To ask for forgiveness. To to keep from sinning. You do what you're supposed to do. This is what Paul says in the back half of our Scripture reading from today. No soldier in active service, entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who enlisted him. You know why half of us can't hear God as clearly as we want to? Because we don't do what he says. There's this really weird thing that happens, spiritually speaking, when you hear God's voice and God says, hey, I want you to go talk to that person. If you say, no, I don't want to do that, and you go away, it gets harder to hear his voice after that. But when you say, yes, I will do it, it becomes easier to hear his voice the more you obey. So are you struggling to hear God's voice? I don't know if that's God. I don't know if that's... Just obey him. Just go do it. You'll find out really quick whether whether it was God or not. (laughs) Right? But the more you obey, the clearer that voice becomes. Just go do it. Do what he's asking you to do. Because at least in my life, as long as I continue to put off doing what he's told me to do, all right, God, I'm ready for the next assignment. You haven't done the first assignment, Jeremy. I told you to go talk to this person, and you haven't done it yet. Listen and obey. If someone likewise competes as an athlete, he is not crowned as victor unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer ought to be the first to receive his share of the crops. This is what we do, isn't it? We run around this life trying to make our own rules to a life that is not ours. This happens a lot in Christianity today, right? I should be allowed to love anyone that I want to love. Jesus would never tell me that. You want Jesus on your terms. You want to run God's race, but you want to make the rules. Right? God just wants me to be happy. In heaven, yes. <laughs> on here, not so much. He's not nearly as concerned with our happiness here on this earth as he is getting us to eternal happiness. But the weird thing that happens is as we obey him, as we lean into the rod when he strikes us, and he does strike us with suffering, we learn to enjoy him, right? Not this life, not the things of this world, but him. And that's what he wants. Yes, God wants you to be happy, but God knows that your ultimate happiness is only found in him. And so he will strip away anything that is going to get in the way of that. Sometimes that's hard stuff, right? Sometimes that's family. Sometimes that's health. Sometimes that's jobs and finance and all of those things. But guys, those are weeds. Those are things that can very easily get in the way of us and God if we let them. I acknowledge this openly. My family is a stumbling block to me if I let it. Because I love my family, and I love time with my family. But I have to be careful, because if God calls me to do something, his call trumps family time for me, every time. 
Now, his call, right? That doesn't mean you can call me up on a weekend during family time. Pastor, I need counseling. My marriage is falling apart, and I need you right now. I'm going to drop everything and go do it, right? Your marriage was in trouble long before the weekend got here. It can wait. But if God tells me, nope, you need to go now. That trumps family time. God wins every time. And so you've got to be careful. You've got to hold those things loosely. Because if you don't, guess what God does? He takes it away. To see, am I enough, Jeremy? We've had, Jan and I have had things stripped. I'm sure every single person in here has had things stripped, right? And it is not fun. But he does so so we can see him more clearly. We have got to stop running this race as if we're the ones who make the rules. God made the rules. They are in this book. We must live by them. And if you don't, your mirror starts to get dirty. And you don't see Jesus as clearly. And when you don't see Jesus as clearly, you don't become more like him. So in 2024, let's become more like Jesus. Right? Let's strip away those things that are blocking our mirrors. Let's cut out the things. Let's pray bold prayers and ask God, God, if there's anything in my life that is keeping me from seeing you more clearly, I want you to get rid of it. You ready for that prayer? It's a scary one, isn't it? It's scary to let go of control and to say, God, if it's, if it's getting in the way, I want you to take it out. That's a scary, scary prayer. But we have to be willing to pray it. You know, we spent the good majority of 2023 talking about all of this, right? About what it looks like to be a disciple of Jesus. We kicked off, if you remember, all the way back in January, for those of you who were here, we started our, our year off in the book of James, which is just a heavy hitter. And the major theme in James is you talk about being a disciple of Jesus, but do you act like it? So the question remains, we're moving into a new year. We cannot forget what we've talked about there, correct? Are you acting like Jesus? Are you being a disciple of Jesus? Because guess what? If you aren't, no matter how many people you talk to about Jesus, eventually they're going to see the discrepancy between what you say and what you do, and guess what's going to happen? Y'all, you want to look, don't, you don't have to look any further to why people are leaving the church in the United States, why young people want nothing to do with Christianity, why old people want nothing to do with Christianity, because we're getting mixed signals, aren't we? We're getting these mixed signals of Christians who say, well, we believe this, we believe this, we believe this, we believe this. But when it comes to this, eh, or we believe this, we believe this, we believe this, but I also like to dabble in a little of this. You can't do that. So Gospel House, as we move into this next phase of our church, we have got to make sure that we look like Jesus. Because you can sit there until you're blue in the face and invite your friends to come to church with you. 
You know, there's all those studies out there. I, I talked about this a little in the Christmas series. You know, people don't want to come to church anymore. They're burnt out on the church. So if you invite them, they won't come. I don't, I don't believe it. I do not believe it. I believe the reason people don't come to church is because they aren't impressed with your walk. If you invite someone to come to church with you, if they say no, it's because there's nothing that impresses them. There's nothing that they want that you have. Even people who have been horribly hurt. We've got people in this room who have been horribly hurt by the church. Right? Oh, past, past church hurt. That's what's keeping people away. Stop. If you live like Jesus, if you live on mission from the Holy Spirit and you walk with him, the people who see that, who see that your walk lines up with your talk, that you are a disciple of Christ, they will respond. They will respond because they see, not you, but they see Jesus in you. You know, that's the common theme in the Gospels. These people are drawn to Jesus, right? Jesus doesn't go out and pass out pamphlets, and he doesn't have fireworks that he shoots off, and he doesn't, you know, have the flashy LED screens and all that stuff that draw people to him. He doesn't put on circus clown noses and make balloon animals. Look, everybody, it's Jesus. They can do magic tricks. He doesn't do any of that. People are drawn to him. So do you want to know how you get people to come to church with you? Let them see the Jesus in you. If I walk around my whole life and everybody just sees the Jeremy in me, then yeah, people won't come to church because I'm kind of obnoxious and I talk too much. But if I let people see the Jesus in me and I obey the Holy Spirit, people will be drawn to that. Not everybody. Some people will hate you for it, and that's okay. But the people who are supposed to be will be drawn to you. That's God's promise. So if we look more like Jesus, then we can trust that there will be more growth. So we got to spend more time with Jesus, right? More quality time. That will lead us to looking more like Jesus. And if we do those things, there will be more growth for Jesus. This is what our entire Christmas sermon series was about. Excuse me. Christmas on mission. And now... This is launching us right in to the new year. Pretty amazing how the Holy Spirit works all these things out, right? Every single one of you, I went back and double-checked just to make sure I wasn't lying. Every single one of you, when you filled out your puzzle packet in October, said that this is what you want. So we're going to start doing it. And if you complain... I am going to take out your puzzle packet, and I am going to show you. <laughs> Every single one of you said, I want to do this more, or I am doing this and want to continue doing this, but to share your faith. There are some of you in here who said you don't feel comfortable sharing your faith, or you want to grow in learning how to share your faith more. There are some of you who are just rock stars at sharing your faith, and that's what you do. You share your faith openly. And so this is what we're going to be about in 2024. Sharing our faith. And if I'm being honest, 
this is what I felt the Holy Spirit turning us to. Remember I told you all when we were about to do the puzzle packets that I felt a pivot coming? This is that pivot that our church, we spent almost every, every point up to this, all since the beginning of this church, building up what's inside here. And then what I felt and what you confirmed and what you all are feeling is that now our focus has to go out. That we have got to learn how to share our faith and how to add to the kingdom of God. It's not good enough to just sit in here and be more like Jesus in these walls. We've got to carry that talk outside now. You ready? Are you ready? Because this is what we've got to be about. So, in 2024, this is what we're going to do, which means things are going to look a little different, which means we're going to do things a little bit different. We're going to focus on different things. We're going to ask you to focus on different things. And we're going to be about growing God's kingdom. This is the discipling verse in the Bible. Would you like a discipling handbook? Here it is. Would you like a discipling program? Here it is. And it's only one sentence. See, these books don't sell, right? Barnes & Noble doesn't sell one-sentence books. So there's no money in it. So nobody's trying to sell it. 2 Timothy 2.2. Put it up on a wall. Memorize it. Do everything in your power. Because, y'all, I am coming at you with this verse this year. We are going to pound you over the head with this verse until you can recite it by memory. It's not long, it's not hard to memorize, right? And then afterwards, I'm going to keep pounding you over the head with it. This is how you disciple, y'all. And look, it's not difficult. Not even a little. The things which you have heard from me, this is Paul speaking to Timothy, the things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful people who will be able to teach others also. This is how we grow the kingdom. This is how God's kingdom multiplies. Now look, the world does not like this. This is why our Christian world today, our church world today, is obsessed with discipling curriculum and videos, and movies, and books, and all the stuff that you can give people, and, and because it's one size fits all, right? Well, how are we discipling people? Well, we have this book done, wash my hands, but discipling's not like that. What did we talk about all Christmas? All Christmas, what did we talk about? What's God's mission? What's God's mission? To save who? People, right? To save people. And when God sees us, does he see a big mass clump of people? Is that what he sees? He doesn't, right? It's not just, oh, look at this generic blob of humanity. I should probably come and give a one-size-fits-all answer to all of them. Jesus came down to earth and he handed everybody a curriculum. Here, fill out this packet and then you'll be a Christian. 
and then we'll accept you and baptize you, and then you'll be able to take your first communion. We'll make a little certificate for you. And then when everybody, anybody asks, are you a Christian, you can show them your certificate and you're in. Jesus didn't do that. So why do we do it? Jesus looks down. To this day, Jesus looks down. And he sees every single individual. Come on, look at your life. Even now when Jesus responds to you, does he respond to me like he responds to Mason? He doesn't. Because Mason needs completely different things than I do. He needs a lot more than I do. (laughs) He needs completely different things than I do. And so when God responds to us, he responds to Mason like he's Mason and Jeremy like he's Jeremy. And I can go through this room and we could compare how God has responded to us. We compare our prayer time. How does God speak to you? He speaks to me completely different than he speaks to all of you. When I pray with him, I pray in tongues to him completely different than some of you might pray. I pray, I get down on my knees. I don't get down on my knees. I sit in my chair. I've got a blanket on. I don't have a blanket on. I listen to music. It's completely different, isn't it? When we disciple with people, we share life with them, right? We've said this before. It's another vandalism that I stole. Discipleship is a communication of life, not of knowledge. This is why big churches, this is why most churches don't like this. Because life is messy. And do you know what it takes to get down in the dirt and do life with somebody? It requires time and work and effort. And it means that I actually have to listen. Right? I can't just sit around and talk about myself. I can't just sit there. Guys, look, it's easy to teach. It's easy. God gives me a message, I open up my word, I read through the passage, the Holy Spirit shows me what it means, and then I get up here and I tell you all what it means. That's how I teach on Sundays. That is not discipling. That's preaching. But for me to disciple you, church, we need to get in the dirt together. And we need to do life. Which means I need to share ugly things with you the ugly stuff that I need to get rid of. I need to share all of life. You need to share all of life, and not necessarily with me, but that's how we disciple, right? Some of us are so scared to let other people see the skeletons in our closet, but you cannot disciple unless there are people that you let in. And that's a two-way street. That's not because you're screwed up and you need somebody to fix you. That's not what it is. Because guess what? I can't fix you. Miss Janet can't fix you. Right? We're not here to fix each other. But we need to do life together. Because that's what discipleship is. So in 2024, are we going to do life together here and also out there this is what's really scary 
And church, it takes brave people to do this. Because here's the thing. Adam's not here today. Some of you know Adam who comes here to the Gospel House. Adam loves passing out Gospel House cards. We've got these little Gospel House cards that have the service date and time. Adam works at Walmart, and he passes Gospel House cards out at Walmart like they are candy. And so he just makes it rain up on people with these Gospel House cards. But but he, people have come because of his invitation. That's incredible. We want to celebrate that, right? But what now? Right? Because there are lots of people that pass out cards to have you attend church. There are lots of people who post ads on social media and you know billboards and stuff like that. But what then? We've got to be about the what then. It's easy to pass out a card. Right? Go to a popular restaurant right after church, and I'll just go under every windshield and put a gospel house card. Right? Don't even have to have any conversations. That's the best way to evangelize. What then? What next? Can I push you? Listen to the Holy Spirit and disciple with somebody out there. Y'all, on those Gospel House packets, y'all circled areas where you have influence. You remember that? There's a little map on there. And if you didn't fill out one, just, just think that we did that intentionally. You all have influence somewhere. There is somewhere where you, there is a group of people who you are intimately connected with. And you may not think of it like that. That's your mission field. Those are people that you can do life with, that you can share life with. And that doesn't mean I need to make up all these great stories about me and Jesus so that they can see how great God is. That's not what it means. I think what's more impactful now is for Christians to share how they struggle. For you to actually have the guts to share with somebody, I know Jesus and I don't have it all figured out. Because in leadership culture today, which we are just infiltrated with, it is everywhere, everybody's a leader, and everybody's great, and everybody has it all figured out. Do you know how refreshing it is to meet somebody who says, I couldn't even tell you the first thing about that. But I would love to do a Bible study with you and figure it out together. Whoa. Nobody's expecting that, right? Because everybody's expecting to get slapped in the face with some great, you know, apologetic debate thing where, oh, I've got all the answers and da da da. I actually don't know the answer to that question. But let's get together, go to Panera and have a cup of coffee, and we can read through the Bible verse together and figure it out. Wouldn't that be incredible? And I guarantee you that somebody will take you up on that offer. Everybody likes coffee. And if they don't like coffee, they can get some other drink of Panera. Everybody likes drink. Right? That's all it takes. Being willing to ask someone, can we do life together? 
Will you come to lunch with me? Will you come to coffee? And let's talk and invest and let them see the Jesus in you. Gospel House, I love being your pastor. I love it. You could give me any other career field in the world, and I will choose this every time. This is the favorite job I have ever had. But we want more, don't we? We want more. And that's not more people. I'm not interested in filling this up so we can move to seven services or go buy a new piece of property where we can build a multi-site facility. It's not about that. I want my life to look more like Jesus. I want every moment of every day to look like the people that we see in this book. These men who do absolutely amazing and incredible things, who defy every odd that is stacked against them, and who shine all of the glory back to God. I want more of that in my life, and I hope you do too. I want us to stop being content just existing and to start running after the things God has for every single one of us individually. We've got an incredible church body here. Amen, anyone? Right? Y'all love each other, right? You keep showing up, so I'd hope that you don't like it, think of it as a punishment. Don't you want to add to it? Don't you want to show more people how great this body of Christ can be? There are people out there who are hurting, who have been hurt by churches in the past, who are just hurting from life in general. You know who they are. Every single one of you knows the individual in your life who is hurting. Bring them into the family. It may not happen right away, but do life with them. Be that dripping faucet, right? Drip, drip, drip. The faucet drips long enough, you're going to fix it. Or you're going to call Michael and he's going to fix it. That's what I do around here. Right? Nobody likes a dripping faucet. Be that dripping faucet. Nag them to death until you get them into church. But get them. Get them out to coffee. Share life with them. Do this thing together. God can do it. No matter what the studies or skeptics say, God can do anything. He just needs us to stop acting like we've got it figured out and to let him move through us. So, are you going to surrender to God in 2024? Are you going to give him more of your time so that you can look more like Jesus? so that you can grow his kingdom his way. Y'all ready for this? Thank you for listening to the Gospel House Podcast. We pray that you are pointing to Jesus and will apply what you learn to look more like him each and every day. If you found today's message impactful, do us a favor and hit the follow button, leave us a rating, and write up a review to help others find our podcast. You can also help us by sharing the podcast so that together we can show the world that the gospel of Jesus Christ is enough. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. 
head to our website, www.thegospel.house backslash connect. Fill out the form and someone from our Gospel House family will connect with you. God bless you. And remember, the gospel of Jesus Christ is always enough.